0: All right. Welcome back to Relish the Journey, the podcast. I'm your host, Miles Biggs, and my guest today is the third Philippek to grace this show, Jessica Philippek. So, Jessica, thanks for joining me.
1: Thank you for having me. I mean, the third of four kids, it's only appropriate that I'm the third Philippek on this podcast here.
0: Yeah. And so, I guess, don't be offended when I tell Kristen I saved the best for last because ah, other- <laughs> <laughs> otherwise, she'd just be like, why am I last? What the hell, Miles? It's. It's funny, there's really been no rhyme or reason to the order of guests. It's literally right. me scrolling down contacts in my phone and saying, hmm, who should I talk to next? And then All right. whoever gets back to me first because I've got it. so many different people in my life, you know, it's so...
1: That's a good problem to have though.
0: It is a good problem to have. So, as I'm gathering Philippic data here, you said you're the third of four kids in the Philippic family, which is part of the larger Hergert clan for those of you familiar with our family and... You know other episodes that we've gotten into this, so I asked John a similar question. Didn't really get into too much with Megan because we focused a lot on her impending motherhood here. But yeah, was it like for you to grow up in that family of a bunch of I would just say leaders? I mean, you guys all have such strong personalities, parents and and kids included. What's it like to be in that group? I mean, what was it like growing up?
1: Yeah, so I mean, I pretty much will tell anybody that'll listen that I was very blessed growing up. And the fact that the four of us were born within like four years of each other, that just made it a 1000 times more fun. I mean, it was good and bad, I guess you could say, because it was, like, definitely in high school, it's, oh, another Philippac, and, like, that kind of got to be, like, a little redundant at times, because, you know, having Megan and John before me, and then, obviously me going through the ranks. But growing up, there was really never a dull moment. I mean, we kept each other on our toes like at all times, whether it was like playing with Legos or, you know, coloring books or were we watching Disney sing-along song for the umpteenth time or (laughs) just road trips to Florida in the car. You know, it was never a dull moment. Like I said, we were always each other's like biggest critics. But we are also each other's biggest cheerleaders, which I think, you know, is something that you really can only get from your siblings because it sounds cliche, but, you know, siblings are the ones who know everything about you and still love you anyway. And a lot of that, I think, is because, you know, we did grow up under the same roof and we were raised by the same people and we could kind of sympathize with each other, but also maybe see it from a different perspective and then just kind of shoot each other straight. We really felt as though we never benefited by sugarcoating anything. You know, we were brutally honest, whether makeup looked bad or an outfit looked awful or, you know, don't send that text message or maybe we shouldn't do that. And I mean, at the end of the day, like we were always there for each other. And I think it's more so now that we're all adults that I mean, I can only speak for myself, but I'm pretty sure I got the nail on the head with this one that, you know, we appreciate each other so much more now that we're not all four living under the same roof anymore and that we all four are kind of like going our own ways and like living our own lives and we're able to celebrate each other's successes that much more. And the time that we do get to see each other is just that much more precious. So um, it was, it is, it's an awesome life. I wouldn't trade them for anything, even though growing up there were a couple of times I said that I would but you know now hindsight being what it is they're my best friends and I'm blessed that I'm stuck with them and they're kind of stuck with me
0: (laughs) yeah so in that theme is there a certain you know like a certain memory or funny story of a moment you look back on now and you're you're grateful for but in the moment you were like pissed off about or hated or frustrated or you know let me put the sibling up for sale versus now you're like (laughs) I wouldn't train in front of me um
1: I think the really unique thing with there being four of us is we were always paired up two and two. Obviously, with there being like three girls, there was sometimes a three V one. But like Johnny always had like a good solid group of guy friends, which I mean, again, looking back, like that's the best thing I could have ever asked for for my brother. Because living in a house with three sisters is definitely crazy. But I think I share, like, pretty unique moments with each of them. And it's funny the way it kind of, like, ebbed and flowed because growing up, Kristen and I, like, always shared a room because we were, like, the two youngest and we were the actually the last two to get our own rooms. And that wasn't until, you know, Megan and John went off to college. So we definitely shared, like, a bunch of funny memories just, like, sharing a room. And then once I got to high school, Megan was a senior and I was a freshman. So she kind of, like, took me under her wing and I was – I'll admit, like a little too big for my britches as a freshman, like hanging out with all the seniors and stuff like that. And then definitely once I got to college and Johnny and I were pledging Greek life at the same time, like that was something we got to bond over. So it's come in phases, I guess. But, I mean, definitely a bunch of funny, funny memories, like, growing up. Some that kind of got us in trouble. Um, (laughs) Other ones that kind of are just, like, great memories to look back on. I mean, I shared this at John's 21st birthday, but... We were, at the time, Johnny and I were sharing a room. So I was in kindergarten. He must have been in like second grade or something like that. And mom was like, you know, you guys got to get ready for school. You got to get ready for school. You got to get ready for school. And for whatever reason, we were both just like, no, like we got time. Like, let's just keep playing. Let's just keep like horsing around, whatever. And all of a sudden, the fire alarm started going off, like the smoke detector. And I looked at him like petrified. And I was like, what do we do? He goes, I think we have to stop, drop and roll. So not on fire. Like, no, like, immediate threat, but here we are, like, rolling around on the floor of our bedroom, like, army crawling up, like, our long hallway, and because we didn't get dressed, we weren't ready, we're standing on our front stoop in our underpants because we didn't get dressed, and all mom did was burn toast. So, here we were thinking, like, the house was on fire, and really, it was burnt toast. That's but, right. I mean, that's one of my go-tos with him. Sorry, John, didn't mean to call you out, but, I mean, just... I know you said we only like we're working with an hour here, but I mean, I could sit and tell, <laughs> tell you a memory about- The
0: Philippic Diaries, have. yeah. Yes. That's something I didn't really ever think about because I always had my own room as the only guy in a family of, of three kids, yeah. two girls, one guy. So, that had to be a little interesting. I mean, guess for you, it was the it was the normal because you always shared a room, but that had to be interesting to share a room for a long time because when they went off to college, you were had to be in high school-
1: Yeah, so we actually shared rooms. I mean, it was, I couldn't tell you, but I know that, like, my earliest memory of sharing a room was with Kristen, but I feel like at one point, because we did only have the two um, upstairs bedrooms in addition to mom and dad's room, that we would, like, switch rooms, and we would decide, like, okay, who was gonna be in whose room now, because, like, either you know, Kristen and I were at war with each other, or me and Megan were at war with each other. So, like, there was definitely some round robin room sharing going on. So that was always, you know, interesting. And we would like, you know, act like we were packing up and moving <laughs> to a different house, That's but really funny. we were moving like the next room over. When we got the addition on the house and mom and dad turned the downstairs second part of the garage into the office and the room, Megan moved downstairs and Johnny got his own room and it was Kristen and I. And then, yeah, it wasn't until Megan went off to college. So I was a sophomore in high school that I got my own room. And because I moved downstairs into Megan's old room, you know, with it came the independent bathroom, which was great until Saturday morning came and I was the one responsible for cleaning it. (laughs) But... I mean, it really, it made me feel like I had, like, my own little space and just, like, super independent. And it helped me out, too, because I was taking a whole bunch of honors classes in high school. Hashtag nerd alert. But uh, it gave me a place to kind of like stay up late and just turn into my own space. And yeah, so it was definitely it was one of those like, oh, I made it moments when I finally had my own room. And, you know, even now at 26, I look around my apartment and I have all my own space and I'm like, wow, I made it. So it's a it's a nice little thing to think about, but it definitely makes me uh, humble for yeah. sure.
0: So then flash forward to college, you went to the University of Delaware. Go um, Blue Hens. Yeah, go Boo Hens. So you probably were like the perfect roommate in college because you've literally been like training for it your entire life.
1: Yeah. I, <laughs> I mean, we can ask my uh, my freshman year roommate what she thinks about that. But uh, And it was actually super interesting because I came in as, you know, a freshman, one of four kids, one of a family of six, even want to make it even bigger, like one of, what was it 20 at the time like when you just break down um aunts uncles and cousins on um, the Herbert side and my roommate was an only child and it was just her her dad and her mom obviously and then just not really like a huge extended family so we joked about it for the longest time that when I arrived first on move-in day and by the time she got there My entire six some of a family was in there unpacking boxes. Someone was making the bed. Someone was loading the closet. Like, someone had a job. And she literally, like, she confessed to me later. She goes, I was super intimidated, and I had no idea what to do because you guys were, like, loud, and you were, you know, just getting things done. And here I was, like... Hi, like, I'm here by myself. (laughs) So it was just like, so it was such a different dynamic. And I guess in that sense, too, like, and even when I look around at the handful of friends that I do have that are only children, I'm like, dang, I had it really good and like, didn't even know how good I had it. But yeah, being a, a roommate, I mean, I'll do a humble brag here. So at 26 years old, I'm finally not a roommate. Like I have been a roommate every year from the time I was born until now. Right. So that's, it's pretty, it's pretty cool to think about. Yeah, it's sad, cool. it's bittersweet, but it's cool.
0: So you went to Udell, Blue Hens, as you said. Yes. And you studied what? What was the official term?
1: So I went in as a communications interest major. So the way it works is you take four classes, one each semester, 2 your freshman year, 2 your sophomore year. And then those are like your introduction to the communication major. And the grades you get in those classes correlates to like a point system. And by the end of your sophomore year, they have like the threshold set. And then you have to have X number of points in order to make it into the major itself. So hmm. I was super nervous because there was a point where I was like, okay, so what if I get to the end of my sophomore year, I don't make the major, and now I have no idea what else I want to do. And I feel as though the last two years have been somewhat of a waste.
2: Yeah, that's
0: interesting. So, it's like a tryout yeah, was- for two years.
1: Exactly. But I mean, in a way, it's almost, it was motivation because that made it a little bit more prestigious, I guess you could say, if that's the right word, that, you know, I was only one of a 100 students in the class of 2014 to graduate with that degree. So that was a nice little, you know, feather in my cap that I was able to make it. And um, once you make the major, you have to declare either interpersonal communications or mass communication. And I entered college with the dream of becoming the next Aaron Andrews or Pam Oliver. Like, I was going to be down on the sidelines at football games and interviewing all the athletes and stuff like that. So, MassCom was definitely the way I wanted to go and... I always felt as though anything you can learn that helps you communicate with people is never a bad thing because unless you want to do something where you have to be kind of head down, sitting at a desk all day, every day, you're always going to have to interact with people so you can make those skills applicable anywhere. Actually ended up finishing my degree in three and a half years because I wasn't taking any other like communication classes. My first two years, I was able to get a lot of my like gen eds out of the way by the end of the first semester sophomore year. Um, So I actually picked up two minors while I was there, too, in performance studies and women's studies. And so... Yeah, I was able to finish my degree in three and a half years and it was awesome. It was weird to think it was like I, I was like, Oh, I'm gonna have like the traditional like four years and I did it in three and a half and just worked the last semester because I didn't wanna leave all my friends yet, but stayed and made money, which was great, and just kind of bolstered my resume.
0: Sure. And you said you you wanted to be the next Aaron Andrews or Pam Oliver as in past tense. So is that not yes. the uh, not the goal anymore?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. Um, you know, everyone says that like college is the four years of your life that you learn the most about yourself. And I mean, in a sense, that's so true. Not that I didn't have the opportunity to, but at Delaware, they have a graduation requirement called a DLR or a discovery learning requirement. And so it was basically you had to take what you were learning in the classroom and apply it outside of the classroom. So that could have been Study abroad, research, internship, working like with a professor or something like that. I decided to intern with the Delaware Athletics Multimedia Department, and ended up meeting—I didn't know it at the time—but I look back now and I realize that my life would definitely not be the same if I had never met uh, my mentor, Jimmy Smith. He's awesome, and. He was like, yeah, you know, we're looking for whatever help you can give. You know, we can't offer you anything, but let's see what you got. And so there was opportunities to be in front of the camera. There was opportunities to, you know, direct the live events, work the camera, interview players, interview coaches, really just getting a lot of that behind the scenes access. And the more that I was doing in front of the camera stuff, it was great. And, you know, awesome opportunities. But I really found my calling and felt as though I could be the most beneficial and helpful behind the camera and being the director of those live events or sitting off camera and asking the questions and giving the student athletes and coaches the opportunity to tell their story and just really being able to see the project from start to finish. And what started as a graduation requirement did turn into a passion. My internship ended technically, you know, the end of my sophomore year. But having developed that relationship with Jimmy, I was like, can I stay on? Can I continue to help? What can I do? What can I learn? How do I continue to build my resume and think you know, a little bit further down the line about what our future employer is going to be looking for on my resume. So he welcomed me back every single year, even though I uh, constantly went missing in the spring due to sorority recruitment and rush and big little and all the fun stuff that comes when the weather warms up. But working with him and because it was such a small and, I guess, unknown aspect of college athletics at the time, we kind of got to make it what we wanted, which was awesome. And it gave me an opportunity to take ownership and take on a leadership role really quickly. Like I said, I mean, it, it definitely helped with job applications and kind of having that portfolio and building that resume and having hands-on experiences that I could point to that made me, you know, an attractive applicant. So sure. It was great and kind of led me down the path that I am today. Even though it's not necessarily what I'm doing day to day anymore.
0: So let's let's transfer to that then. So you went from Udel to Lehigh for grad school, and now you graduated grad school. So you have your master's, and what you're doing day to day took you from New Jersey to Pennsylvania, and now down to North Carolina. Yes. So. You know first of all, props to you for just picking up and moving to North Carolina that takes some some gumption to go move to where <laughs> you don't know a damn person. so walk yeah. walk me through that thought process did you have always have North Carolina in mind? Was there something particular about this opportunity that brought you there? What's it been like? you know, et cetera.
1: Yeah. So I always say like everything happens for a reason. And I mean, nothing rings truer. So when I graduated Delaware, I, I got the job at Lehigh. So what actually happened is I got an internship at Lehigh. So it was a 10 month internship working in multimedia services for athletics, which by December of that year of working there became a full time opportunity. So it was nice because I was no longer staring down this barrel of Oh, my gosh, five months left until I have to find a job. Oh, my gosh, four months left. Oh, my. Like, so I didn't feel as though there was, like, this dark looming cloud over me with, like, a ticking time bomb. So I had peace of mind in that sense. So as I was going to, like, the new higher orientations and figuring out, you know, what was offered as benefits and all that stuff, I found out that I was able to actually take either graduate or undergraduate classes if I chose to. So I applied for the educational leadership graduate program at Lehigh, which was, I don't want to say it was random, but there was a part of me that felt as though, you know, my education wasn't done. And because Lehigh didn't offer a graduate program in, you know, journalism or communications, I figured, you know, kind of similar to the communications major, employers are always looking for people with strong leadership skills. So I figured by getting my master's in educational leadership, knowing that I wanted to stay at a collegiate level, that it was probably going to be a nice meshing of two worlds. So ended up getting my master's from Lehigh this past year, as you said, but it was the internship and then the job opportunity that actually brought me to Lehigh. And then As I was going through my day-to-day motions, it was kind of feeling just like that. Like they were motions. They weren't getting me excited to get out of bed in the morning. It didn't feel as though it was my true calling. I mean, it was flattering because... A lot of people that I worked with, you know, praised me for, and that probably sounds really conceited, but a lot of people were appreciative of the work that I was able to do, but like it wasn't getting me excited. I wasn't thrilled to get out of bed in the, every morning and say like, yes, like I'm going to go work on, you know, this stream or this interview or this project. And I found that what was getting me excited was a lot of what I was learning in the classroom. And having the one-on-one interactions with our student athletes, which happened very casually and it happened very, you know, professionally. And there, was, there were times where, you know, students would come to me and they'd be like, I don't know what I want to do with my life. Like, how did you get to be where you are? What steps did you take? And as I was having those conversations with them, I was like, wait a minute, this is what's making me happy. This is what I want to do. And having spoke with the academic advisor for athletics at Lehigh, she pretty much said, you know, you can do this. I can totally see you doing this. I think it would be a great fit for you. I want you to apply for this opportunity. And it was actually with the Women Leaders in College Sports, which is an awesome organization that I attended their national convention down in Dallas last October. So I was familiar with it already. But what she had encouraged me to apply for was their Institute for Administrative Advancement, which was a little bit more selective, I guess you could say, in the sense that you did have to apply. And there was the East and the West um, divisions that they ran. And it was, I think, only like 40 to 50 women that got accepted into each. And I actually ended up missing the application deadline, which was my birthday. So ended up applying, ended up getting it, went. And by the time I attended the convention, that was in June, I already knew that I was gonna keep down with my master's. And I had already mentally decided, even though it had not yet been communicated with my superiors, that I would be leaving Lehigh. And that was kind of a scary thought In and of itself, but the way that college athletics in general work, especially in the multimedia and sports info sector, is you never really just want to up and leave right in the middle of the season because you're leaving. So many people high and dry, you know, you realize that your role is a critical one that can't be filled overnight. And I personally wanted to make sure that I was leaving on good terms with Lehigh and giving them the best opportunity to fill my position kind of during the lull of summertime. right? Going to the Institute for Administrative Advancement, it allowed me the opportunity to connect with women who had gone through what I had gone through, who had advice, who listened and knew what it was like to kind of be in my position, but also being a woman in the world of athletics, which is still new and different in, you know, what they call the the old boys club. Like that's just, it's a world and it's a career field dominated by men, but you know women are, they say, kicking glass, which I love that phrase. So they were able to kind of mentor me and I realized that I wasn't alone in what I was feeling and it was a little bit of, again, it humbled me because a lot of what I was finding, because while I was trying to apply for these full-time positions and these entry-level positions within academic advising, I was being told that you know I didn't have enough experience. And for me, I was like, what do you mean I don't have enough experience? I have my master's degree and I have four years working in the athletics world. Like, what do you mean? You know, I think I'm a good candidate. And it was really humbling to to hear from these other women try applying for internships. And in my brain, I was like, I don't want to be the intern again. I don't want to go back to like not making that much money. And not that it's ever about like chasing the paycheck. But, you know, it was something that became comfortable to me for a really really long time at lehigh so it was scary but exciting to kind of step out of my comfort zone and apply for the internships and elon was one of the ones that posted an internship and i remember sending in the, the application because it was very non-traditional in the sense that it was oh you know send an email here with your cover letter and your resume and i was like an email this person's got to be like having their inbox flooded, which to me, I was like, if I have more than like 10 unread emails at a time in my inbox, I get super flustered. So I could only imagine how this woman was feeling, but I applied the beginning of June and hadn't heard anything. And I was super nervous, but finally got the Skype interview opportunity because, you know, they realized that they couldn't fly me down from New Jersey all the way down to North Carolina for what could potentially be a hit or miss interview. Um, so we did a Skype interview and I got the phone call on July 3rd that I was accepted and it, it just felt as though everything fell into place at the right time. My last day at Lehigh was end of June and got the job offer five days later from Elon and it was awesome I mean I knew of Elon because they were in the CAA which is Delaware's conference so I was super familiar with them and I had like heard of them before so to a lot of other people it's like hmm where's Elon what's that what are they all about but to me there was a little bit of familiarity plus I had heard you know of a handful of friends who had applied like well Um, We were in high school or just like friends of family whose kids went there. So I had heard of it, but it wasn't until that like I was really looking into them as like a future employer that they super caught my eye. But I don't know. That was kind of like a long tangent. Did I like get your question?
0: (laughs) Yeah, you did. And then so I'm I'm envisioning that same wacky group of six people that moved you into your dorm room, moving you in to North Carolina and then- Uh and then leaving, and like you said, is the first time you've got a whole place to yourself. So what was that like? You move mm-hmm. down, you've got a support system for a little bit, moving you and getting you settled, and then they go back home and it's just you in a, you know, not foreign land, but foreign place, <laughs> really. What was that f- feeling like?
1: Okay, so rewind, got the job, accepted it, and I was in like, okay, now I have to go find a place to live. Like, I can't right. just, yeah. you know, up and go down there like on a whim. So, uh, mommy, Megan and I hopped in the car. It must have been the it was probably it was two weeks before my start date. And we took a road trip down, just the three of us, to apartment hunt, kinda scope out the area, see what it was like, because I knew I didn't want my first time seeing the area being when I had to start. I'm a very see it, believe it, imagine myself there kind of person, which is something that wasn't necessarily afforded to me through the interview process because it was over Skype. Whereas when I interviewed at Lehigh, I was able to come, drive myself, see the area. Plus, I had awesome family in Easton that was always there to help. (laughs) Um, So, Mommy Megan and I came and saw the places. And it was weird because where I actually am living now was the only place I couldn't get a tour of because the landlord was on vacation. Hmm. So you want to talk about southern hospitality. It turns out that one of my current co-workers lives in the development that I'm living in. And when we stopped by the office, he was like, yeah, like, why don't you come by after work? And like, I can show you mine. I'm pretty sure all the floor layouts are the same. Like, even just to get like a feel or a sense of what the space looks like. And I was like, wow, that's super generous of you. Like, thank you so much. Because every place we were looking just didn't feel right. And as soon as, you know, we went to his place and, you know, I saw it, I, again, I could totally see myself occupying similar space. And I think the the green light for me was when we left, mom goes, yeah, I could totally see you living there. I was like, okay, it's mom approved. Like <laughs> we're doing it. Sure. Um, so then move in day comes and it was actually just mom and dad who came and moved me in. So Megan saw a replica I guess you could say of the space and through plenty of FaceTime phone calls she's kind of seen the place but uh mom and dad were the only ones here to kind of move me in which was great and awful like all at the same time because I mean you want to go back to talking about like the family of leaders like I had a plan of how I wanted to like start the unpacking and the setup and dad had an idea of how he yeah, wanted sure. to like, yeah. start the setup and the planning. And mom was kind of just like, where do you need me? Can I unpack this box? Can I do this? And I was like, no guys, like I appreciate it. And not to say like, I really just need you to be like my moving people, like right. getting the boxes up the stairs. But I knew that there was a sense of, okay, I needed to like unpack the kitchen. So like, when the next day I was going to look for a spatula, I knew exactly which drawer it would be in or like the cups or the plates. And because I realized that I was trying to make this my home. And it was great because, you know, we got settled. I mean, the big thing was getting my bed set up. And then once that happened, dad was like, okay, let's go get food. <laughs> so we went and um, we got dinner. And they were actually staying at a hotel and planning on waking up and getting right back on the road to go home to New Jersey. So we went from this whole day of like dad was in the cargo van and mom and I were in my car and just like road tripping it and girl talk and music and like everything you can imagine and then being at dinner with the two of them and then like saying goodbye in the parking lot of the restaurant and knowing that like this was the necessary next step that like I had to take but like, I also didn't want to say goodbye to them yet. So right. it's like, there I was like sitting in in my car, like, it sounds so like poetic, but it was pouring rain. <laughs> and I was like, hysterically crying, like you want to talk like ugly crying to a point like I couldn't breathe out of my nose uh-huh. because there was so much snot. And I have no shame in saying that. Um, but it was so bittersweet because it's like, here I was with this whole new and exciting journey ahead of me. And I was excited, but I couldn't help but think of like what I was leaving behind. And because we had just found out about Megan and Rich expecting their first child and feeling like I was going to miss out on everything that had to do with that, you know, just being away from Johnny and Laura being newlyweds and Kristen and Peter with their antics and, you know, just being around everybody. And Right. Having always been around a big family and always having had, you know, roommates or only being an hour and a half away from home out in the Lehigh Valley, being now an hour and a half plane ride, it changes things. But in a way, and what I've kind of learned is that it's kind of forced You know, myself and certainly my family members into getting a little creative with how we decide to keep in touch. I'm, I had to give a shout out to my dad. He's, you know, learned how to FaceTime, which is (laughs) awesome. And we definitely, you know, make more of an effort to communicate with each other a little bit more. Megan and I have Friday FaceTime dates because I don't work at Elon on Friday. So, you know, we find 30 minutes, 40 minutes, whatever time we have to kind of just see each other's face and talk about what, size the baby is this week and how it's changed and what to expect. And I think Johnny said it best on one of our phone calls. He's like, we're always going to be here. Like you think that you're by yourself, but we're always here. We're only you know, it seems like a lot, but like, we're only a seven hour car ride away. We're only a plane ticket away. So it definitely puts those things into perspective. But like, even still, like from seven hours away, and at 26 years old, my siblings are still my biggest cheerleaders. So it's awesome to be able to kind of like, share this with them. Also being like, so when are you guys gonna come visit? (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, and it's, it's weird to think that like, I haven't been since august but it's definitely going to make you know the holiday season coming up that much more special
2: yeah absolutely
0: and it's funny the way you describe it it's claire and i are similar so we're not seven hours away but i mean her family's three and a half my family's two and a half it's far enough away that it's not like i'm gonna go after work you know what i mean it's like right you have to plan a weekend and it's at least an overnight and but i would just describe it as you have to be purposeful in yes. your relationships at a certain point. It's not like it's it's easy or as easy as it was. It really does take work and you have to carve the time out to, like you said, hey, we're Friday FaceTime dates or we're doing this, doing that. And for the people that it, it matters, you make it happen. And then you just realize that some people will fade away as sad as it sounds, but then the people that remain are some of the strongest relationships that will always be there. Like John said, whether it's family or your very best friends, right? so on and so forth. So it's
1: Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I will be the first one to admit and I'm pretty sure if you ask any of my siblings, they'll tell you the same thing. I suffer from FOMO so bad, <laughs> like, over like the silliest things. Like, it's, it's ridiculous. So like, we actually have a family group chat, which will I have to say, I have to edit that. It's a family group chat minus dad because he doesn't like group chats, but <laughs> it's, it's all of us. And like, so last month the family decided to do a garage sale. So mom was like, I'm planning on making like this for breakfast and anyone that wants to stay for lunch is more than welcome and I'm going to do this for dinner. And everyone's like, yeah, we're planning on being there at eight and we're in for everything. And I'm sitting here like guys yeah. I'm do any i'll be eating
0: time. ramen by myself in North yeah, yeah,
1: exactly so i mean it's great and like what's the other option that they make your family group chat without me like that would yeah. make me feel a thousand times worse so in addition to the one on one conversations that i get to have with everybody or the two on one conversations if someone like on speakerphone or whatever like it's still cool to like kind of have a finger on the pulse of everything that's going on back in New Jersey. Really? Um, so I'm never feeling completely out of the loop. So it's not like I'll show up for Thanksgiving and be like, so what's been going on guys? Like how's life? It's not some big mystery. Um, But yeah, no, it's definitely, it's forced us, I think, is the best way to say it, to make that effort. And I mean, I will say like with complete honesty that like the first two weeks were really tough. Like they were difficult because I was sitting in, this apartment and this space and I was so proud to be independent and on my own and doing it and but like I was so scared to put holes in the wall to like hang pictures (laughs) or to decorate because in my brain I was like well I'm not staying here am I wait am I staying I'm here uh hello like just looking to to have somebody else tell me what to do and I was like I don't have anybody to answer to this is my space and like so one day I like carved it out I actually wrote it in my planner I was like you will decorate your apartment today And I like carved out a Saturday and thank goodness it was raining. And I just, I started hanging pictures on the wall and decorations. And the more that it started coming together, it felt like home. And now I'm like, okay, so when is everybody coming to visit? I have this awesome space that I want to show you. And I decorated and like, I have a couch now, which is something that I never thought at 26 years old, I'd say like, yeah, I bought a couch. And that's the most exciting thing I did this week.
2: (laughs)
0: But it's funny how that happens. It's
1: adulting. Yeah.
0: I know. I I talk about poop now more than I ever did in my entire life. And that's like the center of my (laughs) daily conversations about diapers and uh, goes from couches to all sorts of stuff.
2: Yeah.
0: So, what do you think, I mean, what do you think has been the biggest thing you've learned about yourself throughout this whole process
2: of moving? Oh, geez. That
1: I'm a pack rat and I need to learn to throw things out. Um, (laughs) Because it was weird. So, when I actually left, or I guess rewind. So, I was living in one place in the Lehigh Valley, but still working part time. But my lease ended. So I was then living with a friend. So it was very interesting, like packing up Brighton Street, R.I.P. 571 Brighton Street, Brighton Beach, love it. It was packing what I needed to like stay in the Lehigh Valley and then packing what I needed to be like accessible when I finally like moved back to New Jersey and then packing what needed to be like packed away for real, for real, to North Carolina. So I had like these four different piles just hanging out in my old place and knowing what I know now, like I definitely will pack differently when and if that day comes. Once I finally was able to like start unpacking boxes, I was like, okay, why do I have this ticket stub from 2003? Like don't really need all of these birthday cards from my sweet 16. Like, I found that I was holding on to like all of these what I thought were going to be like sentimental things. And I ended up actually getting rid of like three garbage bags worth of stuff. But that you probably weren't asking about like that. (laughs) But I think what I learned the most about myself is that I can do it. And that I'm more than capable and that sometimes the scariest thing or the biggest thing standing in your way is yourself. I felt as though it was the kind of thing that like when I would tell people like, yeah, I'm moving to North Carolina. Their first question was, well, do you know anybody there? And it was like, no, I mean, like, I know that there's family in the area, but not necessarily like they're not five minutes away. I'm not moving down south to be with them. Like I'm doing it to kind of do and start my own chapter. Um, and everyone would be like, wow, you're so brave. Wow, you're so independent. Wow, I give you so much credit. For me, I almost felt like, well, why? It just felt like the right step and that I never really questioned it past the logistics of where am I going to live? What am I going to do? How am I going to get from point A to point B? Like those things. I decided to look at it as an adventure and, and like a step for myself in my career versus, you know, something that I should be afraid of. I didn't feel as though I deserved some of the praise and the girls that I was getting from a couple of people. But yeah, I mean, I realized that I can do it. And not that I ever like want to be away from my family, but knowing that like you can survive not being with your family at all times.
0: Sure. And then, so, Especially
1: our crazy clan that we have. All right.
0: Well, they'll find you. It doesn't matter where you go. We'll find you. That's that's the fun thing about our family. Yeah.
1: They're, it's fun and terrifying at the same time. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so throughout that whole process, what do you think is the best piece of advice somebody gave you about the whole journey you were embarking on?
1: I mean, I could probably tell you like little tidbits that like each person gave me. Because like, you know, mom, without a doubt, like always told me, you know, pray on it. You know, you're nervous, like talk to God, say a prayer, like you'll get through it. And a lot of that was echoed through definitely a lot of the women in our family, as I'm sure you can guess, and just kind of having that encouragement there. Yeah. It was really touching that like within the first two weeks, it was like every day I came home, there was a new letter that came in the mail or a package that came in the mail from, again, all the women in our family who were just like... Happy housewarming, and you did it. Yeah, that's cool. You know, so like that was nice, and it was again, you know, my cheering section that kept me going. Best piece of advice: I mean, dad, dad said, make friends with the police officer that lives downstairs. (laughs) You know, just like little things like that. I mean, it's just one of those things that it's a culmination of everything. And but, mom, (laughs) saying goodbye to mom in the parking lot. She had my face in her hands and she said, I wouldn't be letting you go if I didn't think you could do it. So that kind of sunk in and like knowing that I could do it.
2: Yeah,
0: that's cool. Yeah. Very cool. She'll probably cry Listen to this back. <laughs> She'll text
2: you.
1: Yeah, probably. Um, but it like it's one of those things too that's like so funny because I guess it was at the beginning of the month, dad stopped in north carolina on his way back from driving a car back for one of his customers yeah and he stopped off he was able to spend two nights here with me in gibsonville which was great you know i got to show him the campus We got to go to a football game we got to share a couple meals but like even after being here for two months already saying goodbye to him we both cried it was weird because we were living proof that it wasn't the end of the world and we could visit each other and we could make it work, but we were both emotional about it. <laughs> right. It was just, and I don't know what it is and it will probably always happen every single time. But I mean, and I think we're blessed in that sense that we do have such a loving and caring and deep rooted family that, You know, saying goodbye is sometimes the hardest thing, but it's never goodbye. It's always until next time. Absolutely. So, it's cool to be able to share this part of my journey with them.
2: Yeah.
0: So, if somebody was coming to you and saying, hey, Jess, I'm going to move to X and such place. You just did it. What advice do you have for me? I mean, what's the best piece of advice you could give somebody about to go through something that you just went through?
1: Make friends with your landlord. No. um, (laughs) I would say best piece of advice is trust your gut. I mean, everything that like I've kind of done here has been, you know, a little bit daring, but like, I always feel as though I was given two choices, this or that, and kind of just trusting my gut and deciding to go one way or the other because whenever I have a decision to make it's a yes or no I would feel it strongly one way or the other and it's like if it was a yes I'd already be gone the fact that I'm hesitating probably is a sign that like I shouldn't do it if that makes sense yeah it does it's like it's one of those things where it's like oh you have a decision to make flip a coin not because heads or tails but like while it's in the air you're gonna know what you wished it landed on sure and that's the decision that you should be going with in the first place.
0: I like that. Is that something somebody told you about the flip a coin thing? I've never heard that kind of phrase before, but that is very true.
1: I actually saw it on Facebook a couple weeks ago. Or yeah, a couple that, weeks that ago on Facebook. I was, yeah, full, I saw it on Facebook. Yeah. Yeah, cuz I was just like, wow, like cuz you don't you don't stop and think about it until you stop and think about it like yeah. what that really means and it's like you know, how many times in your life did you say, like, okay, heads we do this and tails we do that? And, like, while the coin's in the air, you're like, wow, I really hope it lands on. Yeah.
0: X. Or heads will like, do this, and then you have a, a double headed coin that you're not telling anybody. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, right? I can honestly say that didn't happen in our time.
0: So. <laughs> well, that's quite cool. like that. So, the, the final pressing question of this, I always make my way to it, and I love people's answers, but. We've been focusing a lot on, you know, your life recently and the move and all that good stuff. But if you had to think about your entire life thus far, how would you sum it up for me in three words?
1: See, it's funny because it's very similar to my sister, you know, you know the question's coming and you think yeah. you could just like you could blurt out three answers, like, ah, oh, I got it. but it's not until you're actually like asked to tell it. Oh my gosh. My like my heart is beating super fast right now. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> I probably have to kinda of go like the route that my brother did and that Danielle did with like three consecutive words that like is a saying. Yeah, sure. And I think I'm gonna go with follow your arrow. It's a Casey Musgrave song, as cliche as that may sound. Well, that's fine. But it's relevant in the sense that you can only like be on the path that you're meant to be on. So you have to follow your own arrow especially like growing up with three siblings and in a big family, you know, it's very easy to like look around and say like, wow, should I be at this point in my life? Well, they were at that point in their life by the time they were my age and they have this, shouldn't I have that? And it's definitely one of the things that I've been focusing on in my life recently.
0: Oh yeah. I mean, it's a huge life lesson. I talked to, I think it was episode 23. I talked to a uh, one of my friends from college, and she talked about that too, about being in her 20s and being like, well, shit, I'm 20-whatever, and so-and-so at this age had three kids already. What the hell am I right. doing with my life? And that's an easy trap to fall into is that, that comparison trap where nobody wins when you do that, you know? So, it's yeah, it's a very great point. And it's, a, it's an important lesson to learn as early as possible because there's a long life ahead of you, you know what I mean? <laughs> so, instead of yeah. going down somebody else's arrow, following your own, and you'll end up happier for
2: it.
1: And I always like to think and like, maybe it's a dual meaning for me, like, I've always loved the ideas of compasses. And it's not because I drove a Jeep compass for a while. But like, (laughs) just the idea of like, a compass is always going to point true north, regardless of like, if you take a wrong turn, or you go off track, you're always going to find your way back. North. and so like you can stray from the path that you're currently on but you're always going to end up where you're meant to be going and I think that's something that definitely I've been focusing on lately too is getting into reading the Bible and our daily bread Daily and kind of taking my faith and putting it back in, trusting the process and believing in God and his plan that he has for me. And that this may not be where I'm going to end up for, you know, and settle down and be the rest of my life, but like it's a very crucial and necessary chapter of my book as a whole. I'm already feeling as though, you know, even just talking to you about it. If somewhere down the line, like my kids or my grandkids were to say like, Oh, like I think I'm going to move to North Carolina my gut reaction isn't going to be like, no, don't do that. Or why would you do that? It'd be like, good for you. Like I did that. I learned a lot about myself. It's such a, it's a process and it's, I don't want to say like a metamorphosis is that the right word like I'm I'm coming into my own and I finally feel as though and as silly as it sounds even not having something like a roommate or other people that I share a space with that like I'm transforming and becoming this independent person and opening myself up to the possibilities that that lie ahead. That's awesome. I'm turning into a butterfly. You
2: are.
0: So many movies in my brain. Was it like A Bug's Life where he's like, I'm a pretty
1: butterfly.
2: I'm a beautiful butterfly, yes.
0: That or I'm reading baby books now. So there's The Very Hungry Caterpillar book.
2: Yes, classic.
0: Yeah. So I'm done putting you through the ringer and I'll give you controls here and just see if there's any questions you have for me.
1: Yeah don't want to like use the same question that Megan did and I know she had asked if you had the opportunity like would you have named it like your life in three words but you know you had said that like relish the journey was a phrase that a buddy of yours used. Yeah. So, do you think if we were to flip the script around and, like, let's say he was hosting the podcast and, like, asked you to pick three words, what would you pick?
2: Sure. Good question.
1: Have you thought of this?
2: I I have.
0: And similarly, I think someone asked me once before. And it's just one of those things where I feel like I can ask the same person this question every day and then have a different answer. It's just, you know. Oh, for sure. Where are you at in that day? At this point in my life, my three words. Ugh. I tend to go towards roles. You know, it's like my life is, it's like it's broken up into like scenes of a play. (laughs) (laughs) It just pops in my head because it's like there's work and then there's husband and then there's father, I guess would be Mm -hmm. three. They're very simple ones, but there's those different like sides of me that all have to find their piece of the puzzle and are fighting for the limelight and attention and center stage on that play that is my life because work is crazy and all-consuming at times and there's trying to in the craziness of being a father which is also all-consuming and you know it's great but then it's just not losing sight of the the husband and friend part to Claire where it all started and so it's a balancing act, I guess, could be another three phrases, really. That's my life right now. It's, 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 a, it's a balancing act between work, you know, this, you know, a passion I have and a project I've committed to do as like a personal goal. Like, I'm just forcing myself to do this because I love talking to people and, and having these purposeful conversations with people. I'm close to in my life, and I always come away. You know, I feel like I I get a little something out of it every time that then follows me around in my day-to-day or I can bestow things like that, flip a coin phrase to somebody I talk to, you know, little things that is just cool. And then it's cool to share it with really the entire world and then have other people react to it too and send me emails, messages and Say, I'm, hey, I'm getting text messages. I listen to this and love what this person had to say. And so that's cool. And then, you know, really just being a dad's awesome. I mean, that's been, that's been the best, you know, act of the play, you know, these past, (laughs) these past 10 months. It's cool. I mean, he's, he got his first tooth recently. And so he's just, you know, one little tooth sticking out of his gum, laughing and starting to stand up on stuff. And it's just, It's really cool to think about all the things we were just talking about and reflecting on those formative things in your life and what brought you to this point where you're now a butterfly, you know, and I'm (laughs) watching this little inchworm quite literally crawl across the floor and just, it's cool to get, to talk to him about that, you know, when he's a butterfly, there you go, to sandwich the cheesy metaphors here. So, that's how I'd answer that, I would say. A balancing act would be my three words right now.
1: Yeah, and I mean, it's funny because it's like, in my brain... I know you're a husband and a father, but like, there's a part of me that's like your parents sitting there like, well, what about son? And then like your sister sitting there like, but what about brother? And it, I guess it's kind of all encompassing with the a balancing act yeah. um, because you do have to wear like a couple different hats, like at the same time. And that's, I joke now because I have two phones, my personal phone and then a phone that Elon gave me for, to keep in touch with my student athletes. And it's like, being their advisor but being a daughter and being a sister but being a co-worker and it's just like who am i trying to be right now but like not in a sense that i'm not being genuine to who who is jessica philippe but right. like who is that person to the 15 different people i'm interacting with at a given moment oh yeah so a balancing act is a, that's a good three words thank you i give you my stamp of approval oh well,
0: thank you <laughs> anything else you're curious about
1: no, I mean, are we going to have a birthday party for Mason over
0: Christmas? <laughs> That's what I want to know. <laughs> We're, we still got to figure that out. We do want to do something. It's just, it's yeah. such a crazy time of the year. Right. Because that, I mean, geez, that week is my mom's birthday, which right. is also Christmas Eve. And then there's Christmas and then his birthday and then my dad's birthday. So yeah. it's just, and then New Year's Eve. It's like nuts. That whole it's a lot
1: to thing. celebrate. We're blessed.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I mean, we'll figure it out. I don't know when it's going to be. It's probably won't be on his actual day. Right. Just because all the craziness of the holidays. But yeah, the little guy's got to have a first birthday.
1: Absolutely.
0: He won't remember it, but we will. Got to have photos. Or it didn't happen, I really,
1: right? I was going to say, let's be real. It's more for us than his <laughs>
0: <laughs> Yep. Well, I appreciate you. I mean, it's what, 11 o'clock at night here. Talk about a balancing act. Got to get fit some sleep in for both of us and get after yeah. it again tomorrow. So appreciate you carving out the time and the and the constant game of text tag it took to line this up. And I wish you all the best down in North Carolina and look forward to more stories to come and maybe hearing a little bit of a Southern drawl or or something start to form uh, eventually.
2: That'd be fun. Can,
1: can I tell you? Yeah. I, so I have a part-time job that fills the 20 in addition to the hours that I do at Elon and I'm working at the Chili's in town and there will be times where I catch myself saying, are y'all done? Did y'all need some more sweet tea? And I'm like, oh, who am I? Like, who is that girl? And then it's like, there's a part of me that like goes in the back and I'm like, no, you're Jessica. You're from New Jersey. You're a Jersey girl. That's funny. And it's like, I have to tell myself, no, no, no. Like, who are you? I'm I'm um, picturing
0: you in the kitchen of a restaurant, fist pumping in the air, reminding (laughs) yourself you're from New Jersey.
1: (laughs) Well, I did actually have someone tonight. He was like, where's that accent from? And I was like, New Jersey. He goes, that's what I figured. That's (laughs) funny. So it's i'm pretty sure i stand out like a sore
0: thumb when i try to blend in but i'll always be a jersey girl yeah well like you said it'll just you'll find your own little hybrid mix of certain words and exactly it'll rub off on you but awesome well thanks again and best of luck in the beautiful state of north carolina And look forward to seeing you up for the holidays like you said
1: yes absolutely thank you for having me